So many times we don't want to talk about the B word, the C word, the I word. That's betrayal, cheating, or infidelity. But on today's episode, we do. We learn about it. We learn about what can happen afterwards. And we learn about what's possible from a life after divorce with infidelity. Join me and my guest, Martha Van Damme, and we'll have a fascinating conversation. Hi, beautiful. I'm so glad you're here with me today. You are going to absolutely love this episode. My guest is Martha Van Dam, and she is a state licensed mental health counselor, national certified counselor, and her business is called Living Beyond. She's going to talk with me today about living beyond betrayal. This is all about infidelity. Martha Van Dam is a state licensed and nationally certified psychotherapist. She has helped betrayed individuals heal, find empowerment, and thrive as they move forward for the last 12 years. She is highly trained and experienced in working with multiple kinds of traumas and is certified in terrorism and disaster response. Oh my goodness. Martha learned the value of good counseling when her own life took an unexpected turn and she found herself in a counselor's office dealing with issues with her own marriage. Following her own divorce, she went back to school and became, went to work and became a certified sex addiction therapist. It was working in this environment she learned about trauma and the impact of infidelity. She currently lives in Florida with her musician husband and three cats. I have five dogs, so I'm right there with you. Hi, Martha. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This is going to be such a great conversation. It is going to be good, Beverly, and I just need to make one little correction. I am not a certified sex addiction therapist. I worked with a certified sex addiction therapist. Learned Very so good. so much from him, certainly learned so much from him, and then... Uh, began treating the partners of his clients, and I that's see. how I was introduced to working with sex addicts and their and their families. Oh wow, that that certainly would be a trauma to be married to someone oh, like goodness. that. Oh yes, for sure, for sure. So we talked a little bit about. I mentioned a little bit, a tidbit about your own personal story. Can you tell me a little bit about? why you became interested in betrayal and infidelity and its impact on women? Sure, absolutely. Well, like I mentioned, when I first started, I was working with another therapist who he'd been in practice for two decades as a certified sex addiction therapist. And um, he also then became my supervisor. So it just was natural, a natural flow. A lot of his clients were coming through the office naturally, but all of his clients left these injured, mostly women, because he sees generally <clears throat> men. So most of these women um, in this, the wake of this horrible, horrible trauma. And right. so I started seeing the wives of the addicts or the significant others of the addicts. And then, then I was learning so much about infidelity and so much about this kind of betrayal that also other people who had been betrayed, I started seeing those as well. So they didn't have to be married to an addict. They had just been betrayed in somehow in a relational way. And it was one of those things that kind of fortuitously happened by accident that I just found myself working with this population. And I 
absolutely loved it. I loved trauma yeah. work anyway. And, and it was so wonderful to be able to work with these women at such as I believe that infidelity is the most painful thing that a couple can deal with or that a person can deal with when, within their marriage. And, um, and so then to be able to come alongside and work with these women, I absolutely loved it. And I learned so much from it. And I started learning how, how this genuinely is a trauma and it genuinely does leave PTSD and it leaves all the grief and all the things that go along with trauma. And um, so just over time, I learned more and more and have grown to absolutely love working and helping women find their empowerment and their strength, whether they stay or leave, but they right. find their strength within that circumstance. Wow. So do most couples divorce when infidelity has come along into their relationship? Yeah, actually, that's kind of can be a surprising answer. The majority of couples do not. It's like wow. 60% stay together. But it's that one of those funny um, statistics where when you're looking at people who are divorcing, a um, proportionately high number of divorces right. are because of infidelity. It's that weird thing. No, they don't. The majority of them don't. A little bit more than half stay together, about 60%. But... Um, but there, in order for that to still be a successful marriage, there has to be a lot of work and a lot of yes. healing. There just has to be. Do you think there's a difference between if the infidelity involved like a one-night stand versus a longer-term relationship? I do. I do. Because a one-night stand generally does not involve the emotional component Right. That and oddly enough, most women when they start doing you know the the research and the questions, men tend to be more incensed and upset by a woman having a physical connection with another man. But women tend to be more upset and bothered just by the emotional connection. They may have never had sex before, mm -hmm. but the fact that he's giving his emotion, his care, his concern, his thoughts to another woman, that is enough. And um, I always find it interesting that different people have ideas of exactly what betrayal is. And my thought is, if it's betrayal to you, honey, it's betrayal. Right. Um, within reason. Within reason. You always have sure. to be sure that there's not something else going on in the woman's life that, you know, if he opens his eyes, he's betraying. But, but um, for the most part, just for the most part. I had a question that popped into my head, and that is, do you also treat women who have severe jealousy to the point that it's that the spouse isn't having an affair, isn't, you know, committing cheating, but they just have this humongous jealousy thing going on. Hi everyone. As parents, we often have gut feelings when something just isn't right. And this can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. The system's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test, so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. 
To sign up, Soberlink's offering $50 off your device for our listeners. Visit www.soberlink.com empowered, and that will be in the show notes as well. Did you sure, ever see that? I certainly that? have seen that. Absolutely, I've seen that. And generally, that goes back into some sort of history where the person has had some sense of there's been abandonment, there's been betrayal in some way in the past. Gotcha. And so their mind has learned to be hypervigilant, and they, they become hypervigilant as a type of protection. And it's very painful, and that is hard work because it's hard to let go of that for that woman. She, exactly. She needs to let go of what she feels like is her security blanket keeping her safe. That is hard to do very yes. hard to do um absolutely. but it, so absolutely i've seen that and that is a place where you have to be careful it may be that the man has not betrayed her but she is perceiving every conversation as something yes. that's dangerous and i would think that almost risks him being unfaithful because he gets to the point of going gosh that's all she says i might as well go ahead and do it you know. Well, sure, sure. And also it kind of creates an environment where he begins to hide things just because she can't handle. So a yeah. simple thing like he had a had to have a meeting with a coworker and it literally was a meeting and it lasted all of 15 minutes. He's just kind of let going to let that slide because he knows if he mentions it that she's going to get all right. so now you create an environment where there's lying going on. It's not okay to do the lying. I'm not saying it's okay, but you can see how the progression happens absolutely absolutely so if we kind of step back and move back into the couple where there is infidelity whether mm -hmm. it's short-term one-night mm -hmm. stand or longer term is mm -hmm. it really possible to trust again <laughs> absolutely it's possible to trust again but it depends on I think two things one is the woman has to learn that her first priority is to trust herself she needs to be able to be Ooh, really yeah. tuned in to, you know, you know, those feelings that those little red flags and something just didn't quite seem right. And very often as women, we kind of will shut those down. We don't want to believe right. them. And if something does come up and we ask our, our partner, very often the answer we get is, oh, you're just being overreactive. Oh, you're just right. Exactly. Oh, you're making too much out of it. And so we, the gaslighting, you know, we, and the, mm. what did most women do to that is just tamp it on down. So mm -hmm. I have to help women in, in my office. I help them to find that listening ear again and to learn to trust themselves that they do have what it takes. Their brains are on guard for things that seem out of order. So, to mm. be, so the more they trust themselves, then the more the, the safer they can feel that's the trusting of themselves now the, of the person um over time watching to see if they literally have become someone who is worthy of giving their trust the more they trust themselves they know the more they know they can better judge that and so they're going to be watching for is that partner showing an ability to maintain truthfulness and character is he showing the character is he is he showing a motive of not just trying to please himself, but of also trying to have the couple's best interest and her best interest at heart? Not only, but all of that needs to be right. Being. And so there's those sorts of things that a woman can be watching for, and that can help her to know, has he come to a place? Has he healed enough? Has he made the changes? Is he worthy of my trust? And do I trust myself? to pay attention and make a good decision for myself. 
Um, actually, it's the trusting of self that I think is the biggest feature. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. Yeah. And it sounds like it's more of seeing his actions rather than hearing his words. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yes. Gotcha. I had another therapist say one time, if the words don't meet up with the actions, believe the actions. Yep. The actions don't lie. The actions, we can mistake our perspective of what the actions mean. We're not always real good at that. <clears throat> but an actual lie is a lie. And yep. um, if, if something is having to be hidden, that raises a whole world of other questions. We don't hide things generally that are completely okay. Unless, like we mentioned, this over yes. jealous woman, you know, that can create. But... Hmm. One of the things, the old adage I've heard is, once a cheater, always a cheater. Is that true or just make-believe? It's not true, but it has its basis in truth. You know, it's one of those things where, yes, there are people who have patterns, and if they don't learn why they have patterns and learn to change those patterns, then they're going to keep on. Um, Even if they don't want to, it will crop up later. But if a person is willing to do the work and figure out, why did I do that? What, what, what led me to risk everything that I have here for this, for the, for the, the nice feeling I got, whether it's physical or emotional, what, what is it? If they're willing to do that and they do that work, then I personally think they're actually safer than someone who's never done the work. And I think, and I think wives who've had this experience of being cheated on, are safer than wives who have not. People who think that they are safe, this would never happen to me, those are the ones that are at the most risk. (laughs) Absolutely. So what would be some of the reasons somebody, what are the reasons you've seen that someone would have an affair? What caused them to cheat? Mm -hmm. Okay, so... um, You have two things going on when a person has an affair. You have whatever is going on with them personally, and then you have whatever's going on in the relationship. I will never say it's the cause of the relationship, but you can imagine if the relationship has been distant and there's been no emotional or physical intimacy for a long time, you can see where a person might then be prone to find that sort of connection with someplace else. Right, right. That still doesn't mean it's the relationship's fault because when we're in a bad situation, there's no rule that says you have to solve, you think you're going to solve your problem with an affair. Right, right. So, so, so the person, um, they, so we have the relational component, but the biggest component is how does that person, the person who's the man in this case, or the person who's going to have the affair, how does that person deal with their own needs, their own issues? When you start digging into why someone has an affair, it very often has to do with maybe they have a need for newness or they have a need for feeling um, feeling like they're really, really important. And by the time they've been married for seven years and there's a five-year-old and a three-year-old and the trash needs to go out and she's also working, they don't feel as important. And so they have to check, wait, where am I getting my sense of value? What, what is it? that is drawing me to another person. Also, I think until most of us realize how really how easy it is to slide into an extramarital relationship, then if we're not on, if we don't realize it, then we're not on guard against it. And if we're not on guard against it, we can very quickly find ourselves in a situation that we didn't want to be. 
Yeah, I've always found that, for example, once you lie, it's easier to keep lying. Yeah. So to me, yeah. once you would cheat, it seems like it would be more tempting unless you do the work. Unless you do the work. Yes. Yeah. Unless you do the work. Yes. Yeah. That likely, especially if you've gotten away with it, mm -hmm. uh, that would be, that would clearly be a time where it just, it, it, that would just validate the idea of here is something I can do that makes me feel better. Right. But it kind of meets whatever need it is for that person. Does it mean that the person doesn't care at all? Absolutely okay. not. And that's what is so hard to understand. Women will say, how can he say he loves me? And then he does this thing. Well, if he's got this internal need for newness, then all the love in the world from someone who's been around for a long time isn't going to meet the need for newness. Gotcha. Because it's not new. It can't be new. Interesting. So if we get into kind of the healing process that is going to need to happen, what are the real important ingredients to that healing process? Hmm, that is such a great question. So many ways to go with, with that. <laughs> so many ways to go with that. But so, so the healing, what has to happen for the healing is for the woman herself, you're talking about for the person who's been betrayed, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. So for that person, and I'm supposing that's the women we're really talking to, the first, the absolute first thing that I always lean in is you have been injured and you've probably had some things go on like there's, you've learned to shut down some parts of yourself. Don't be right. suspicious, those kinds of things. So the first thing I'm always going to point to is that uh, self-care. You just abs this is such a shock and it's such a blow to the psyche, the emotion, the mind, the spiritual. It's every piece of us is affected that we absolutely need to step back and we need to do whatever it is that's take care of ourselves. If it's make sure we're finding small things to eat, if even if we can't eat just a granola bar here, a little bit of soup there, a banana someplace. Right. Um, if it's uh, making sure that we're getting sleep, and if and that's a tough one when your mind is all over the place. Right. So what do we need to do to help that? And my personal opinion is, if somebody hasn't slept in three days ask a physician, get some help, make sure that your brain is getting some rest. I don't care if you've got to take a little Benadryl or some melatonin or something heavier to be sure that you're getting rest. Right. Um, I'm also going to be saying to people um, to begin with, get out and do something, something that does not revolve around this. You may not feel like it, right. it may not be as much fun, but you need to be out to kind of remind your brain and your heart that this is not the only thing going on in your world. Exactly. Um, Pretty big one. And then also another one is gather your support system. Now, the support system may not know everything. Right. But we it's pretty bene, pretty beneficial for there to be at least one person you can talk to, at least one to share. Right. And that's fabulous if it's, if it's a counselor. I certainly want someone to have a counselor on board, but I also want them to have somebody, that friend that they can call at 2 o'clock in the morning or just a girlfriend to go have lunch with occasionally who's going to say, how are you holding up? We need that kind of support. And then even if, then we want to build the other support, even our, our friends who don't know, they can still be connected with them. So I would right. strongly say those are the things. If you're a person of faith, leaning into your faith, if that's something that's important to them, you do that to begin with. Then you want to dig into to what does it look like to have a healthy, even look like to have a healthy relationship 
I would strongly suggest most women not to make a decision on whether I'm staying or leaving immediately because, right. you know, to begin with, the emotions are all over the place. Right. One minute you want to stay and another minute you want to send him off on a slow boat to another country. You know, you just right. don't want right. to, you don't want to, it's up and down, up and down. So giving yourself time to make that decision, understand that you're going to be all over the place. Um, I would suggest that to begin with a woman journal everything she can, just write it down because those thoughts are flying around in her head, constant, just pinging and dumping them onto paper does a lot of good to help, to help let go of it. And our brain gets the message, oh, she's dealing with it. I don't have to keep reminding her. And right can help to settle the thoughts. Um, I know that you're a big proponent of journaling as well, but I think that's a, mm -hmm. that's a big one. I think um, making sure that you find some way to get active in the day. Often we feel like going to get on the couch and just watching TV or calling in the bed. Right. No, find a way to go back to the gym. If nothing else, go take a walk, take the dog for right. a walk, do something um, to get out. So those kind of, all those self-care things, major, majorly important. And then the next thing is start doing the, um, the dig into how did this happen? How do I strengthen from here? And then the answers will come with time as far as do I want to stay in this relationship or am right. I just not willing to do it any longer? And I will say, anybody in my office, no judgment, no matter which decide, which way you want to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was thinking of a couple things when you were talking. One, in regard to the support system, I think it's important that that support system is positive for you. As opposed to some people reach out to family who can be very judgmental mm -hmm. or offer advice that isn't the right advice. So mm -hmm. I like to say positive support system. Um, and then I had a question for you. Why do you think it's so hard for us to actually do self-care? Many people feel divorce is a death sentence, but with the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. It can also be a time of growth and progress. As a divorce and empowerment coach, I'm an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, learn skills to help you communicate and negotiate, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. You know, it's like I talk to my clients all the time and I say just what you said, journaling, self-care. And, and I don't know, it's, it's in some ways like we're allergic to it or something. Isn't it funny? We get mixed. We get mixed messages kind of from the world at large, from society at large, because we see all the things on all the social media about self-care. You need to do it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But at the same time, we'll see things on social media or hear them from our family of origin about how, um, how moms always eat last. Moms always will give everything to be sure. And that's held up as, as the standard. Now, yes. don't hear me say it shouldn't be. Yes, we want to give. We, we want to do the fine things for our families and especially our children. But in a way, we're sort of sold the idea through some of those teachings that, um, that, that we our care is not as important as everybody else's care. Yeah, we sacrifice ourselves. Yeah. Yes, 
Yes, and so there's a difference in sacrificing time. Oh, what a good, what a good way to put it. I love that, Beverly. There's a difference in sacrificing time and sacrificing yourself, continuing to yes. shut yourself down as though you don't matter. And you do matter. We do matter, and we and we can't even be fully present for our kids and our spouse and our friends and our job or whatever if we are not the healthiest that we can be. Absolutely. I also think that. Um, Another phenomenon like that is we've been taught to invest in our family, to invest mm -hmm. in our children, to invest in our husbands, but not invest in ourselves. So when it comes time mm -hmm. to, to seek help, many of us mm -hmm. go, oh, I can't afford that. Oh, mm -hmm. I, I need to do other things. When in fact, mm -hmm. in order to be a full and happy person, you need to do that work. Mm -hmm. So it's the it's, most important thing because you can't be there for your kids or your family mm -mm. if you aren't doing that work. Mm -mm. It's true. And I've heard women say, I've heard, in my office, I've, I've had them say, well, this is getting expensive, so I need to cut back to once a month or, or something mm -hmm. because he needs to keep going. And, and they're making the decision based on, yes, he's the one who's had the affair, so he clearly needs, oh, he needs all the help. But again, it's the automatic kind of putting ourselves to the back burner. Absolutely. And yes, there's limits to finances. Yes, we have to make some decisions there sometimes. But it doesn't always, always need to be the, the wife, the woman, who's backing herself into a corner or giving up her care. Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the things I like to ask all my guests, and you've just been an awesome guest, is to share three actionable tips that women can take, um, in this case, to deal with and recover from infidelity. What would you suggest to them? So, yes, and I love that question. That was a lot of fun. And um, I also remembered that I couldn't come up with three. I came up with four, and I couldn't limit it. <laughs> That's so, quite all right. <clears throat> so the first one is, it is so important, it is vitally important to learn to listen to that little inner voice that we have. Um, right. We have our, our, the cells in our being react. Do you know there's research now that says our body reacts differently when we are in the presence of a lie from when we are in the presence of a truth that literally our muscles are stronger when there is truth around us than when there's a lie. And they've done this by testing people's muscle strength while they're telling a lie. And there really is a significant difference. Isn't it amazing? Our, our, the cells in our body react differently. And so the more that we can be tuned in and we can be aware of, that didn't feel right. What I've learned, I'll ha it'll happen in here. A client will say something and I'll get a little feeling. I won't even know what it is, but it'll be a little bit of, mm, mm -hmm. just a feeling and it'll pass. But I've learned to pay attention to that. I may not know what it's about. I don't know what the answer is, but I've learned to say, okay, there was something there. I don't yeah. know what it is, but I'm not forgetting it. And that's what I mean, being just tuned into those little feelings. And then I would suggest not immediately asking, hey, what was that you said? Right. I would suggest pulling it back and thinking about it a little bit ourselves. And then when we're sure, you know what, I'm gonna, I wanna ask about that, or at least I'm gonna let it be known that that was my concern, that's what I felt, then do it with an intention, not, not as a reaction but with an intention, I'm bringing yeah. this forward, I'm being truthful to myself, and I'm gonna speak the truth of what I experienced. So that being tuned in to the reactions, feelings, and emotions while they're moving forward, and so they become to know themselves better than ever. That's, that's my number one. Number two is that we can always find things to learn from our own experience about ourselves. Mm -hmm. 
And um, even if a person decides quite early, I don't want to be a part of this anymore, I'm, I'm moving on my own way, still don't let the experience be wasted. Dig into it and ask, what does this experience have to teach me? What does life have to teach me about this? Anything this painful, we do not want it to be wasted. We want good right. things to come out of it. And so, I find so. that if we don't pay attention to it, chances are we're going to put ourselves in a similar position yes. going forward. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, yeah, uh, yes, that's, yes, absolutely. Um, then the, then number three is that we have always had this internal chatter going on, you know, our mind, it just does that. Um, and it affects how we move forward. So learn to listen to your internal chatter, learn to listen literally to the point where you can acknowledge, oh, that was a thought. That's what I was thinking about. Oh, that was a feeling I'm just having interesting. What does that mean? Where did that come from? If we were paying, we're kind of analyzing, at least being curious about what we're thinking and what we're feeling. We're paying attention. <clears throat> and, then, um, and then the fourth one was, I just want to state emphatically that there can be amazing life either after divorce or after infidelity. There can be amazing life after either one of those things. And yep. it can be as magical and wonderful as you choose to work to make it happen. It is, it's Absolutely. not magic. There is work involved um, and intentionality involved but absolutely it can be there. And most, I think we, you and I have talked in the past, one of the things we talked about was um, can, can life go back to normal? And I would say the answer is no, it never goes back to normal, but we don't want it to go back to normal. Exactly. Whatever was in the history allowed this to come out. We want it to go back. We want to create a new forward that, um, that's that's better than it ever was and this new sec new chapter new chapter yeah. of our of our life married or alone it it really sounds like there there's some commonalities between how you deal with clients and how i deal with clients and the one really? i'm particularly thinking about is not to let their emotions hijack them and respond quickly but to step back with self-awareness and with thinking mm -hmm before you react because what i found is when you let those emotions rule you you can't think clearly and you can't make good decisions and i think that's what i'm hearing you say too absolutely absolutely that's one of those things that there's this physiological reason going on at that point in time when our emotions are in charge our brain is literally firing more in the limbic system those that that firing is affecting our thoughts and our prefrontal cortex, that higher order thinking, problem solving, let me figure out what to do. That part of our brain sort of gone offline. It's not even right. as capable. It's the same idea that if somebody, you know, we all know our alphabet, but if somebody holds a gun to our head and says, alphabetize these words or these cards or something, we can't think under that kind right. of pressure and under that kind of trauma. The same thing happens to us just in, in this sort of circumstance. So that ability to, to deal with and calm, and I've, I find that what I'm teaching a lot of my clients pretty regularly now is some techniques to help them calm themselves. Some, some deep breathing to help put pressure on and activate the vagus nerve, which calms down some of that, um, the, the firing that's going on in the limbic system. One of my favorite things now ha has become um, the, the tapping. And I used to think it was just weird and I didn't want oh, to do it. Oh, I love it. Oh, my word. 
Oh my word! In a matter of ten minutes, while you're tapping and you're saying some of the things that you know that go with tapping, then you've seen it. You you go from feeling activated to a ten, and you want to scream and cry down to okay, I I can manage this, and maybe even thinking completely differently about the situation. Right. So I would ask all of my people if they if they get upset about something to go away, calm themselves first, do some tapping, some deep breathing, some writing, and then when and this may take a little while. And then when they're able to be logic, use their logic and be calm enough, then you're going to have a calm, a conversation and then you may make some progress. Yeah. I love tapping. I think it's awesome. So, so many helpful pieces of information. And I know some of our audience is going to want more. How can they find you? Oh, thank you, Beverly. Um, so, my website is www.livingbeyondbetrayal.com and that's the easiest way there's a contact me form there they can email me at any point in time and i will i will uh, respond oh that's wonderful and all of that information will be in the show notes too martha is there anything else you'd like to share that i've forgotten to ask not real other than Beverly other than the fact that really really difficult things can happen to us in life I don't know of anybody who gets out without something going on right it's really difficult and and those things that happen that are painful they don't have to be the end of our world in fact they can be the very things that propel us to a better life than we ever had imagined Absolutely. I, I would I would hope that people leave with a sense of hope after, after listening. I would hope that they would have, I would hope that they would have some hope um, about the fact that good things can come out of this and mm-hmm. actually good things. I would never say, yes, go deal with an affair, go deal with a tragedy in your life. But as long as it's going to happen, we want there to be wonderful things to come out of it and it can. Yeah. I found in my life, I never really learn new things unless there's a pain point that when everything's hunky-dory I'm not really Mm -hmm. motivated to work on myself true but when there's pain I'll do it for sure 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 absolutely Martha thank you so much for being my guest today this has been just so informative and the conversation has been so enjoyable oh thank you Beverly I've enjoyed it immensely I love working with women I love seeing them find faith in themselves again and finding their empowerment and I know you do too and yes, it's, even in your, it's even in your name her empowered divorce you know being able yeah. to be empowered within themselves and create their their life again I love seeing that happen and the spark that shows up in their eyes yeah that's absolutely. well all of Martha's information and mine are available in the show notes and you can find them at herempowereddivorce.com on the podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch the video version on our YouTube channel, Her Empowered Divorce. Thank you for being with Martha and me on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. And join me for our next episode, where we'll be diving deeper into what other expert professionals can share to help you on your separation and divorce journey. Thank you so much for joining me today and take care. How do you navigate divorce without destroying family relationships or finances? I'm Jamie Davis, board-certified family law attorney, mediator, and host of A Year in a Day Divorce Without Destruction. 
On my podcast, I talk with everyone from marriage therapists and financial planners to private investigators and parenting coordinators to uncover what you need to know to have the best legal and emotional divorce experience possible, though it's not legal advice. Tune in to A Year in a Day, Divorce Without Destruction every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. Remember, divorce doesn't have to be a death sentence. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence. And it can also be a time of growth and empowerment. A divorce and empowerment coach is an invaluable member of your divorce team. I help you understand and navigate the process come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, find your true voice, and create an empowered life post-divorce. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation at HerEmpowereddivorce.com. And be sure to check out my other episodes of Her Empowered Divorce podcast and resources on my website or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This will help me reach out to more women in the same space so you are not so alone. I appreciate your support. Until next time, take care and stay empowered.